Good morning. Again, my name is um, Reverend Jeffrey Choi. It's an honor to be back here again, which means that the last time I was here was not a disaster. So I am thrilled when Mark asked me to come back again. I said, "Woo, amen. I will gladly come and preach to this wonderful church. The text we have before us today is um, Exodus chapter 39. And it's a fun text for me. It's not a Fun text for everyone. Um, for a lot of people, they glaze over it or skip it. But I always find these texts the most interesting because it's the Word of God. And it's important, but sometimes it's difficult seeing the importance of some texts. And I understand that, so I like to dig and see. And uh, this text was an especial treasure as I saw how it illuminated Christ and His people. So it is my joy to bring this message to you and preach it to you and really just share my heart with you all. So let me read for us Exodus chapter 39, verses 1 through 7 and 27 through 30. Here's the reading of God's word. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin twined linen. And they hammered out gold leaf and he cut it into threads to work into the blue and purple and the scarlet yarns and into the fine twined linen in skilled design. They made for the ephod attaching shoulder pieces joined to all, joined to it at its two edges. And the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it and made like it of gold blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold filigree and engraved like the engravings of a signet, according to the names of the sons of Israel. And he set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They also made the coats woven of the fine linen for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of fine linen, and the caps of fine linen, and the linen undergarments of fine twined linen, and the sash of the fine twined linen, and of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, embroidered with needlework, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote on it an inscription, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. Let's pray and ask for Lord's presence here. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you to really hear your word. Would you be with us? Lord, let your spirit be amongst us so that our hearts would be transformed as we hear your words. For we all know that if I speak, it's just mere words. But when your spirit is accompanied by it, Lord, people change, hearts change. Lord, the dead come to life. So we pray, Lord, for us to experience your presence as your word is preached. Open our hearts, open our ears, so that we may see the glory of our wonderful and beautiful God. We thank you. May your presence be felt. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year, my wife and I love to watch the Oscars. And the Oscars start at the same time every year, 8 p.m., so every year, we turn on our TV at 7 p.m. And why do we do this? It's because we want to see all the stars in their beautiful dresses. 
And I actually like watching that. And I love those interviews where they ask, who are you wearing? And they say, I'm wearing Versace, Armani. And, it's, and I love it because we get to see how these already beautiful women become even more beautiful. It's a skill set, a design, and it's wonderful to see. Now, if you're anything like my friends and my church, you may be asking, you're a pastor. Why do you care about fashion? And I love that question because I love my response to it, which is simply that God cares about fashion. Oftentimes we see God as the lawgiver, the city architect, but rarely do we see God as the fashion designer. Yet what is Exodus 39? Him designing the garments, the robes that are to be placed in the sacrificial system. God does not simply say, who are the best designers in Israel? Call them to me. This is generally what I want. Execute. No, he takes time and commands Moses, these are how I want my robes. To every single detail, to the material, he picked everything out. God cares about fashion. He does. But how does this apply to us? How do these robes of the high priest, how do all these things interconnect? God may care about fashion, but I may not care about fashion. How does this apply to me? And I think that's a fair question, and hopefully that is what I'll answer today as we go into this text. Exodus 39 is not simply a historical text that was just only applicable to the people of Israel. It's a text that still speaks to us today and resonates with his beautiful and wonderful church. So first, what were the purposes of these garments? What were the purpose? The purpose was simply that these garments had to be worn during the sacrificial um, worship services. If you understood the history of Israel or understood this time, what was happening was that God had taken the Israel, uh, had taken the Israel nation out from the grips of Egypt. And he had promised them that he was going to make Israel an amazing nation. And so what God was doing is he was setting up their code of conduct. He was establishing a nation before the whole entire world. And in establishing this nation, what was at the core of this nation was the sacrificial system. And why was this system put in place? The system was put in place so that God could have a relationship with these people. How do you have sinners and a holy and perfect God come together in unison and harmony? You need a sacrificial system. You need an atonement for sin. And so God had set this up and he had set a part a people to be priest, and he set aside one to be the high priest. And here this person would lead the ritual of the sacrifice. And the priest would then enter the tabernacle. Now what is the tabernacle? This is the place where God dwelt. Tabernacle is a fancier word for tent. Israel established the tent and the high priest would go into the tent and make sacrifice on behalf of the people. And in this tabernacle was a place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where God dwelled. Now when I say that, most people think, but I thought God is everywhere. How can God just be in one place? Well, that is God's 
prerogative. Yes, he is omnipresent, but he chooses throughout history and even today to be at specific places so that people would experience him in a different way. This is why we come to church, brothers and sisters. This is why we gather here. God has promised that he will meet us here in a special way that we, he cannot encounter us Monday through Saturday. This is a special time, and it is God's prerogative to do such things. And so the priest was appointed to come into the holies of holies in the presence of God, and he was to wear these garments. And he was to wear these beautiful Um, knitted garments before God. And why? Why did he have to do these things? Well, it tells us something about who God is. And it tells something about this whole nation. You see, oftentimes in our church we say, come as you are. But in this time, that was not the case. You could not come just as you are. You had to come under God's terms. Under God's commands. Everything was established by God. I just want us to take time to appreciate what was happening in the book of Exodus. Many times we study different religions and different communities, and they have these traditions that they don't know where it comes from. Here in the book of Exodus, we see a whole nation built in a matter of weeks. Their laws, their celebration, their feasts, their traditions, all Things are documented in the five books of the Bible. And in every aspect, God is commanding everything. The one refrain that often comes up in the verses that we have just read is that as the Lord had commanded Moses. And in the Holy of Holies, where God was present, these high priests were not allowed to come just as they are. God would determine the clothing. God would determine the time. God would determine everything they just had to listen. And why? Why was God doing this? God was doing this for a very specific purpose. He wanted the garments in these ways because he wanted the garments to point to who the high priest was and who the high priest was always going to be. I have here quoted on our programs Coco Chanel, the great theologian. (laughs) Just kidding. For those of you who don't know, Coco Chanel is not a uh, theologian. And if you don't know who she is, it's fine. Your your pockets are much lighter if you do not know who she is. (laughs) But she says, dress shabbily and they remember the dress, dress impeccably and they remember the woman. And I can't help but think, but this is the reason that God put so much details in the garments, because he wanted the garments to point to who the high priest was and who the high priest is. And so it signals to everybody that this person that was elected, and remember, this person was not voted on. This person was appointed by God himself. And he said, this is the person who's going to wear the garments. This is the person who's going to come into the Holy of Holies. This is the person that will represent the people. And here is what we see on these garments. Verse 7. And he set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones and remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
When this high priest was appointed, he did not act as an individual. He was not praised for his individual achievements or what he had done. He was appointed to be the main representative of Israel. When this person went in and sacrificed goats and calves before the Lord, God was not just forgiving this person's sins. He was forgiving the sins of all of Israel. So it's important to note to these important details that this high priest was not simply a a standout student, um, a person that is to be praised. We just see that this person was representative of the people of God. What else do we see? Chapter 39, verse 30. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And they tied it to a cord of blue to fasten on the turban above, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Not only was this person a representative of the people, this person was seen as royalty. A person coming before the courts of God. The turban was equivalent to a crown. And what did this crown say? It was holy to the Lord. This high priest, being a representative, being a cut above others, was also deemed to be holy. This person was able to come before the Lord and make requests and do things that no other human being could do. And this high priest, when he acted, his actions would have repercussions on everyone that was to come or whom he represented. This was the system that God built. This is how God wanted people to come before him. This is the parameters he set. And as we see this, oftentimes in our society, we think back and look back and like, man, I'm glad I don't live in that system. I'm glad we're not part of that system anymore. But I want us to have a correct understanding of the Old Testament sacrificial system. It is the second best religious system known to mankind. Second best. People think it's barbaric, but it's wonderful and it's masterful. Here's a religion not created by man and guessing. It is given by God himself. He created a whole system and he revealed himself fully to these people. He said, we will have a relationship forever. You will become powerful Amazing if you follow these things. You just have to do these things and we will live a grand life together. If I had a book for my wife like this, our marriage would be amazing, correct? If she had my book, I had her book, I just, oh, why is she mad at me? Oh, that's why she's mad. Just have to read the book. And here's what God has done and he has shown I'll be happy if you do this. I'll be mad if you do this. It is an amazing thing to see that God has revealed himself fully. But what is the problem with the sacrificial system? Is there something wrong with the system? No. Is that human beings still had a part in the system? What we see is that the garments still had to be worn by sinners that the people still had to fulfill their end of the bargain. And what we see is this grand experiment of people trying 
and knowing God, trying to establish a beautiful relationship with Him on their own power and on their own will. But yet, what happens? Fast forward a couple hundred years, and what we see is total chaos. We go move ahead to Zechariah. This is probably about two or three hundred years moving forward from Exodus, and what we see is this. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua. Now, this is not Joshua, the Moses and Joshua. This is the high priest, a different Joshua. Zechariah 3.1, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Oh, how Israel had fallen by this time. By this time, there was no more tent. We know that they had built a temple, but even that was gone by this point. The high priest no longer had these beautiful robes to wear, but what we see is that this high priest was in filthy rags. People had tried for many years to establish this relationship with God, but if you read the Old Testament, you would see that sin began to take over this whole community, that they were unable to establish and maintain the relationship with God. Everything had gone awry. And if we are to learn anything from the Old Testament is this, that we cannot keep our end of the bargain. We cannot have a relationship with God on our own power. We cannot simply will ourselves to be good. We cannot will ourselves to stand before the holy God himself, no matter how easy it may seem. The problem is that we have sin in our hearts, and it's a disease that makes us dead to the holiness of God. There is nothing that we can do. So we might think the sacrificial system is barbaric, but there are worse religious systems today. Usually they come in the form of work and our jobs. If you don't believe that our work is a place of religion... I encourage you to visit Europe. You go to Europe and what they prized and valued was the religion of Christianity. And you see these beautiful cathedrals and it's amazing. It was a place of worship. You come to New York City, they're not churches, but they're called banks. These beautiful banks, they have these emblems and art pieces. Here's what we praise now, money. And how do you receive money? You work hard. You get yours. Every system is flawed because it is human powered. Because we believe and we trick ourselves into believing that we can achieve righteousness through our own power. But the Bible teaches something completely different. In this same chapter in Zechariah chapter 3, God not only shows us the problem but he also gives us the solution to the filthy rags. Zechariah chapter 3, 3, that's where I'll start. It says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, 
I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Joshua does nothing at this point. He doesn't repent. He doesn't do anything. It is the initiative of this messenger of God, this angel of God, who comes and takes off the filthy rags of this high priest and places upon this high priest pure and beautiful vestments. Many church historians have seen that this is the foreshadowing, the the foundation of what we are to understand of what justification is. That God himself will do the work and that the people's sins will be imputed onto God himself, yet the righteousness of our king would be placed upon us. And this is exactly what happened. As we move on, we see and understand what these garments were all about. These garments were pointing to Jesus. Hebrews 8, chapter 1 says this. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. These robes are a picture of who Jesus is. He is royalty. He does not act on behalf of himself, but he acts on behalf of a holy nation. He acts on behalf of us. He is the Holy One unto the Lord. He is the only one who is able to stand before God and the Holy of Holies and declare to the people that our sins are forgiven. Yet he does not sacrifice bulls and calves. What does the Lord do? He sacrifices himself once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Are these robes important? Yes, because they point to Jesus who was going to not get rid of the sacrificial system, but fulfill it so that we no longer have to experience it. Jesus Christ came as our brothers, as one of us to be our representative so that we no longer have to question our relationship with God. As long as we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is our high priest, we are now able to enter into the holies of holies. And you may say, whoa, I feel like you skipped a step. Maybe Jesus can, but how do we step into the holies of holies? Brothers and sisters, when God sent his son, he sent his son for a purpose, to be the sacrifice to ascend into heaven, and then to send the Holy Spirit to clothe us 
with those same garments we see in Exodus 39. Remember, the only people allowed into the holies of holies were the priests, those who had the robes on. But what does 1 Peter 2.9 say about all of us? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, all of us, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Holy Spirit was sent down to clothe all of us in the robes of righteousness. That is why when we approach God, we do not fear God, but we understand that forever He is our God and that forever He, we will be His people. I've gone to most churches and we don't, some churches dress well, some churches don't. That's fine. We no longer live in this system where it is human because what is most important is not how we are dressed on the outside, but how we are clothed with our souls. Does God care about how you dress? Yes, absolutely. But it may not be the clothes you are thinking about. God has clothed you in robes of righteousness, and he wants every single member to wear these beautiful garments he has placed upon you. And how are we to dress when we come into the temple of God and when we live out our lives? It is found in Colossians chapter 3, which we had read this morning, verses 12 through 14. Put on then. These, that verb means putting on clothes. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. God cares how, he, how we dress. He wants us to wear the robes of righteousness the garments of love, so that people would see these things and would want to ask us individually and collectively, this is beautiful. Brother, sister, who are you wearing? In which we can declare with great joy and with great passion, I am wearing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has bestowed on me the richest and most beautiful garments known to man. This is what we believe. This is our hope and our desire for all our churches, that the world may see that God is a wonderful fashion designer and that he has done it well and that we are rested and clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to understand that we are weak and feeble creatures. Well, there's no reason for us to be confident. But yet, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have given us clothes to wear, love. And now we have the confidence that the one who matters the most, the holy God of Israel, loves us. 
And with that knowledge, we can go out into the world not scared, but full of courage and compassion and tell the world that there is reason to celebrate. There is reason for joy. The high priest has come and made a sacrifice for all. Now we have a relationship with Jesus forever. And we are going to the city where we will sing and praise his name forevermore. May glory be sung to you forever and ever, O God. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.